This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that reveals a little bit more about history every day. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this special episode, we draw our Halloween week to a close with a look at the life and death of Harry Houdini one of the finest prestidigitators to ever wave a wand. The day was October 31st, 1926. In room 401 of Grace Hospital in Detroit, Michigan, Harry Houdini dies of complications from a ruptured appendix. The renowned magician and escape artist was 52 years old, Nearly a hundred years later, Houdini remains one of the most famous and esteemed performers of the 20th century. His death-defying stunts and mystifying stagecraft captivated the world, and many of his acts continue to inspire the magicians of today. The boy who would become Harry Houdini was born Eric Weiss in Budapest, Hungary in 1874. At age four, he and his family immigrated to Appleton, Wisconsin, where he soon took an interest in such routine pastimes as acrobatics and lockpicking. At the ripe old age of nine, he began performing with the traveling circus as a trapeze artist and contortionist. He also won some early fame when he expanded his act to include daring escapes. In 1891, he became a professional magician at age 17 and adopted the stage name Harry Houdini. The moniker is said to have been a tribute to two of his personal heroes, the American magician Harry Keller and the French magician Jean-Eugène Robert Houdin. After striking out on his own, Houdini performed card tricks in small-town theaters. He eventually made his way onto the vaudeville circuit, where his escape acts earned him the nickname the Handcuff King for his ability to slip free from any restraint. This act became such a big part of Houdini's identity that he later changed his legal name to Harry Handcuff Houdini, a fact we know because it's written on his World War I draft card. In 1900, the magician embarked on his first international tour, performing all over Europe. Audiences loved Houdini's act not only because he was an expert showman, but because he always played fair. His escapes weren't tricks. The chains, handcuffs, and straitjackets he was bound in were all real. Instead of employing trickery, Houdini based his performances on feats of strength, agility, and concentration. This reliance on physical and mental ability meant that the danger in Houdini's stunts was also real which is exactly what made them so alluring to his fans. As Houdini wrote, quote, I knew, as everyone knows, that the easiest way to attract a crowd is to let it be known that at a given time and a given place, someone is going to attempt something that in the event of failure will mean sudden death. As his fame grew, Houdini had to keep one-upping himself by adding new and more dangerous stunts to his act. In addition to manacles and mailbags, Houdini also escaped from boilers, wet sheets, and even milk jugs. One of his most notable stunts debuted in 1912 
when Houdini escaped a locked box at the bottom of New York's East River. Even Scientific American magazine was impressed, proclaiming it, quote, one of the most remarkable tricks ever performed. But Houdini didn't stop there. Later that same year, he debuted his famous water torture cell, which saw him suspended upside down in a locked glass and steel tank filled with water. The tank was then obscured from view with a cabinet, as the magician tried to free himself before he drowned. Nervous audiences held their breath along with Houdini as the seconds ticked away. Finally, after about two minutes, the magician appeared triumphantly from behind the cabinet, soaked and exhausted, but still very much alive. Amazingly, the tank was still full of water, and the six padlocks on its lid were still fastened. During Houdini's lifetime, no one ever figured out how he had managed to escape. A lesser-known side of Houdini's career was the time he spent exposing con men who used tricks of his trade to dupe the trusting public. Following World War I, there was a surge of interest in spiritualism. Many people had lost loved ones during the war, and they turned to seances and other aspects of magic as a way to seek closure. As for Houdini, his interest in the occult came from the death of his mother in 1913. They had been extremely close, and her death affected him deeply. Although he was the son of a rabbi, Houdini was not a religious man and didn't put much stock in the idea of an afterlife. But in this case, Houdini was willing to try anything to speak to his mother one last time. He visited a medium to try and contact her, but the seance that ensued didn't bring him peace of mind. In fact, just the opposite. In the darkened room, Houdini witnessed parlor tricks that were meant to convince him that spirits were present. Most customers were amazed by this kind of fraudulent magic, but Houdini was a stage magician himself. Not only could he tell the effects were fake, he knew exactly how they were done. Houdini was furious that someone would use the tools of his art to rip off people who were hurting. From then on, he made it his mission to expose these charlatans to the public, which he did by making it part of his act. One of his full shows would treat audiences to a bit of magic, followed by some daring escapes, and finally, a mock seance where the fraudulent methods used by mediums were revealed. In this way, Houdini worked to ensure that other bereaved people wouldn't be misled by the false hope of contacting the dead. And speaking of death, you're probably wondering how exactly Houdini met his own end. The groundwork was laid several weeks before his death, when he began suffering from appendicitis, but didn't seek treatment. Then, on the fateful night of October 20th, Houdini performed at the Princess Theatre in Montreal. After the show, a college student named Jocelyn Gordon Whitehead came backstage to meet Houdini. According to witnesses, Whitehead asked if he could test Houdini's claim that he could take any punch above the waist without injury. Houdini agreed to the request, but before he had a chance to tighten his stomach muscles in defense, Whitehead delivered three quick blows to the magician's stomach. Four days later, with a fever of 104 degrees, Houdini took the stage at Garrick Theater in Detroit for what proved to be his final show. Later that day, he was admitted for surgery 
to finally have his appendix removed. But during the procedure, doctors discovered his appendix had already ruptured, and that the tissue of his abdominal organs was badly inflamed, a condition known as peritonitis. One week later, on Halloween night, Harry Houdini died. But before you blame Jocelyn Whitehead, it should be noted that one way or another, Houdini's appendix was always going to burst. Whitehead's punches may have sped the process along, they definitely didn't help, but he wasn't directly responsible. So please, if you summon the spirit of Jocelyn Whitehead tonight, don't give him a hard time about it. As for Houdini, although he went on a crusade against dishonest mediums, psychics, and others who claimed to have supernatural abilities, he never ruled out the possibility of real communication with the spirit world. In fact, he was so interested in the idea that he made a pact with his wife, Bessie Houdini, and with their close friends. They said that whichever of them died first would try their best to make contact from the great beyond. A few of Houdini's friends passed away before him, but he never heard from them. Then, after his own death, Houdini's wife held a seance in hopes that he might try to contact her. She tried again and again each Halloween on the anniversary of his death, but shortly before her own death in 1943, she made peace with the idea that no response was coming. But that hasn't stopped other people from trying to connect with Houdini. Thousands of fans and true believers have kept the tradition alive for almost a century. The main attempt is through an official invitation-only seance that changes location but is always held on Halloween. There's also a long-running ceremony held each year in early November at Houdini's final resting place in New York City's Machpela Cemetery. Members of the Society of American Magicians gather there to reenact a portion of Houdini's funeral by breaking a wooden wand and reciting the following line. The curtain has at last been rung down. The wand is broken. So far, after all this time, none of the rituals have succeeded in making contact with Houdini. But you never know. The magician may have one last trick up his sleeve, and tonight could be the night. Happy Halloween, everybody. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed this week's shows, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Show. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can send your thoughts directly to me at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks as always to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you so much for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.